Welcome to Unbound Turnarounds, a podcast all about the challenges women business owners think about constantly, but rarely voice. We're Nicole and Mallory, entrepreneurs, friends, and co-founders of Business Unbound, a community helping women alleviate the headaches, heartaches, and backaches so work actually works for life. This is your safe space for the ups, downs, and the turnarounds. Welcome back to Unbound Turnarounds. We are really excited about the guests we have today to finish out January. And before we get into it, I just want to say, hey, Mal, how is it going? Hello. It is lovely. How are you today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'm excited about this season. We talk about it all the time. We want every season to be this season. Mm -hmm. And we'll see what people want. But tell us a little bit about who we have today. Okay, awesome. So today I am really excited to welcome our guest, chiropractor Dr. Karen Quinn. So Dr. Karen Quinn has a boutique chiropractic practice filled with all ages in Calgary, Alberta, which is now my new hometown. She focuses on the impact posture, lifestyle, and the nervous system function has on overall health and well-being. In addition to chiropractic, Dr. Quinn is also a certified yoga teacher and offers mind-body wellness retreats. She has a love for all things related to natural health, personal development, and the great outdoors. Fun fact, for anybody who's listened to my wellness story and my initial story in season one, Karen is the one who finally helped me have relief from my back pain after a seven, eight month daily struggle. So thank you for your service, Karen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So it's been super fun getting to know her. I even recently attended a day retreat that she led here in town and it was so nourishing for the soul to be around her and all of those beautiful people. So Karen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I was so excited. We are excited to talk to you. So just a quick reminder for everyone here in season two, we are talking all about well-being and what that looks like and what that feels like for women small business owners. So because there's this mental and physical health interplay, I would say, we really wanted to have Karen on to talk about how she helps patients live lives of really optimal health and vitality and how we can extend those best practices and all of her wisdom into running our businesses in a way that feels better. So that's what we're all about today. Yeah. So to get us started, Karen, let's talk about, and we have confirmed you're good with us calling you Karen throughout the show. Yes, of course. Okay. Totally. Totally. Yes. So tell us about how and why you got into chiropractic work in the first place. Well, it was a little bit of a kind of accident actually in a, in a sense. So I was in kinesiology here at the University of Calgary and my major was exercise and health physiology. And I went into that just because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'm like, well, if anything, I'll learn how to live a healthy life, right? For myself. And maybe I'll find a career along the way. (laughs) I loved the program and started just taking inventory on what it was I loved about it. Could read anatomy, physiology textbooks for fun. Like I knew the human body and just understanding body function and performance and optimization was just my jam. So I still didn't know what career would potentially fit that and happened to overhear someone in my class talking about how they were planning to go to chiropractic college. And I thought, why would you do that? (laughs) I had no no idea. Like I didn't have an opinion on it either way. I just didn't really know anything about it. And my dad had seen a chiropractor, but 
for a bad back. And that was the extent of it. So I don't like knowing things or not knowing things, Mm -hmm. I should say. So I went and did my research and was looking into what chiropractic was actually about and how it actually coincided with the things we were already learning. And it was a fit for everything I was looking for. I was wanting to work with the human body, with people. And not only that, but I was really looking for something that would support people in optimizing their health in the first place and not just address things once things are bad, mm-hmm. right? And so right. obviously there's a bit of that too. You know, you're a lot of people do come in when there's stuff going on, but, you know, the benefits of chiropractic extend far beyond that in just my experience and my everything I've learned and in my beliefs as well. So yeah, so I started then, I got a job at a chiropractic office working at a a front desk. I started seeing a chiropractor just to see all angles. And then I went down and looked at a school in Iowa and just fell in love and pursued it. And that was been on the path ever since. I love that. So it sounds like you immediately knew that it was a good fit once you started learning Mm -hmm. about it. And it felt like the right thing to tick all the boxes of what you wanted. Now, my question is, a lot of people Mm -hmm. will come out of school and they will join another existing practice, right? Like you worked at one at the front desk Mm -hmm. or you could have come on to what someone else had already built. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. what made you want to create your own practice and if that was immediately something that you wanted to do or just what was that thought process like of either I'm going to join something or I'm going to build something? Yeah, good question. There's so many avenues that people take out of school. And I actually did join as an associate right out of school. And I didn't graduate with like a thirst to open my own Mm. practice. I could dive deep into why that is. I don't know. But it just was never like a big dream of mine. But I wanted to practice. And out of school, you don't know. You know a lot, but you don't know a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's most of the learning. I'm almost 18 years now into practice. Yeah. And I can confidently say like the majority of what I know and like what do I apply on a daily basis was learned like post-grad. So mm-hmm. you graduate, you know, you get through your board exams. But for me too, there was a huge identity crisis because I had been a student my entire life from kindergarten to graduating from grad school. Yep. And I loved school. Like I was a super academic gal, you know, like I loved school. And now I had a title and I was no longer guided by the academic schedule. So there was definitely an adjustment to just who I was in that and who I had to show up as. And it took some time to really loosen up a little bit and realize that the golden goose was actually in being myself and following my own heart. So back to your question, I was an associate. I've been an independent contractor. Okay. I now rent a room like a multidisciplinary practice. So I have autonomy. I have my own practice, but I don't have my own brick and mortar that I hang my name on. And really it works for me. Like I really like it. You know, I have the team. I'm a one-stop shop in the sense of that I'm my bookkeeper, I'm my marketing person, sure. I'm my, I book, I schedule, or I do all the billings, all those yep. things. So there's a lot of hats that I wear, which comes with its own challenges and for better or worse, but it's been like, it was the right thing to do for me at the right time when mm-hmm. the opportunity came up. So I kind of evolved from like more handholding in a sense and a lot more learning within a practice to more independence, more confidence, and just like a space where I could actually just trust my own voice Mm -hmm. in my communication and how I'm presenting myself. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
Well, looking back, and I would say that that is a similar story for a lot of entrepreneurs, even if it's not brick and mortar, you have to get confidence and get experience and start doing the thing to figure out where your niche is or where you feel the most like yourself. But looking back, since we talk about highs and lows on this podcast, what mm-hmm. was hard about stepping into your own practice after leaving the handholding situation? What was hard or what made you feel nervous? And then how did you get through those times? Yeah, every scenario has some hard. I'll get deeper into this, but every scenario has some hard and every scenario has some benefit, obviously, right? So when I was an associate, I had less income potential, potentially, but I knew what I was making. Like it was a very, like I had security in a sense where I could be, had a predictable income. As you evolve and take on more risk, you have more potential for the financial growth, the autonomy and what you're wanting to change or incorporate, but you also carry the risk. So when I moved to my current office, I was leaving like an independent contractor situation. I was doing very well, had only been there for a couple of years, but I had like worked my butt off to grow that practice. And I wasn't starting from scratch, but you lose people when you Mm -hmm. move, right? And so it was a regrowth and I was bearing all the risk now, right? Because I had flat overhead that I needed, whether I had nobody in my practice that week or I was completely full, which of course at the beginning, you're not completely full. Mm -hmm. And I was working my butt off. I took no time off, which I would not recommend. Don't (laughs) do that. That was not the solution. (laughs) And yeah, I've been in, in and out of burnout many times, I would say, but yeah, like I was seeing some growth. I was, you know, I had predictable like years where I'm like, okay, at XYZ, this is where I'm going to be. And it was proving that. And then COVID hit. Oh gosh. Yeah. And so, I mean, that completely changed. I mean, I would say I was lucky in a sense that I just plateaued. I was doing okay, but like it didn't grow, but it also, I didn't lose my business. So I always saw that as a success. You know, there was a lot of extra challenges through that time, but then I would say this, like only recently do I feel like that momentum is back in like that I'm back on that growth mm-hmm. track but it's taken a lot longer. And there's times where you can look back and be like, okay, this is what I could have shown up better or this was where I contributed. But there's also obviously some events that happen that, you know, but at the same time, I'm really careful not to place blame on anything because I did learn a lot about my own resiliency in that Mm. time. It wasn't all bad in that sense. Like I was grateful to hold space for people during that time too and beyond. But I also this too shall pass. You know, like it was, even though there were days where you're like, this is ridiculous. There's so much on your shoulders that you're trying to, and some days you felt like, how am I going to get out of this plateau? But, and some people had it far worse in the stressors around that, but here we are, like we've surpassed that piece of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing evidence in my own energy and my own rebound around that. And also in just the revenue and the growth that I've seen come back in practice, which is encouraging. Well, and I'm curious how in those early days, you mentioned that you were creating this new identity after you lost the identity of student, which I feel very seen from having a (laughs) family of academics. We -hmm. do school. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. So when you came out of that and you came into this new practice and you were building up, I would say pre-COVID is this new identity and then COVID hits. And what does that do to your psyche Like what's the rebuild part of that, right? Because there's a rebuild of Mm -hmm. the finances and the growth and all of that. But what did that do to you as a business owner to just think, oh, like this thing I thought was maybe secure in these ways suddenly 
is not so much. Yeah. I mean, I think I was able to stay above water and like maintain what I had built because of the years prior, you know? So it was definitely, it wasn't something that I just started doing the work when it got hard. Mm -hmm. I was doing the work when things were good, you know? And I think that's a big piece of it is, I mean, I see that in healing. I talk about that with patients where it's like, it's easy to be like buckled down, nose to the grindstone when you're struggling because you have that drive of like, I want to get out of Mm -hmm. this pain. But it's a lot harder when you're symptom free and when things are good and it's easier to kind of, not that you always have to have your foot on the gas, like I don't agree with that either, but the habits that got you out of the weeds need to be the habits that you maintain, right? And so there's a ton of parallels I can draw from like the business side to just like patient healing and body care. So yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a huge part is just like those habits that you Used to climb out of something hard, you shouldn't just yeah. discard them afterwards. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, it really, again, it, I feel like it, for me, it highlighted how resilient I was. Like I was stronger than I thought I was. So the test shows you mm-hmm. more about yourself. It highlighted who were my true supporters and who I could rely on and who I had the capacity to support. So like there was a lot of, I think, when you're kind of under fire, whatever the circumstance, like it doesn't have to be that example specifically, even it displays more clearly if you're looking for it, like where your resources are Mm -hmm. and so that you can draw from them and and surround yourself with the people or whether that's within my practice or outside my practice, socially, all of it, there's lessons in it all. We talk about resilience as one of our tactics or fixes in our brain course and our boost your brain well-being course. And specifically what you said that in order to grow, you have to have challenges. So I really love that you highlighted that as really a way that you reframed COVID in your head to look at it that way. So I think that's a really positive mindset to practice because you could easily just talk about the hard and not put the positive spin on it. So I'm glad that Mm -hmm. you brought that up. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to take accountability for yourself, you know, and there's always going to be external situations, people, things that aren't potentially make things harder. I think you can still grow when things are easy too. You know, I, like, I think sometimes in the past, I probably have created hard situations for myself (laughs) to like make myself feel like I'm doing something. And I think it can go both ways for sure. But I think taking accountability for like our role in our own Mm -hmm. life. And that means taking responsibility for some of our successes as well as our failures. I mean, even as a chiropractor, like I remember early on, I might've even been in college. They talked about like, take no credit, take no blame. Like even as you're thanking me for helping Mallory, it's like, I'm happy to be a facilitator in that, but it's Mallory's body doing the healing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's like, if I'm taking the credit for things that are going well, then I also am like, okay, then it's also my fault when things aren't. So that's when I'm helping other people. But in my own life, the second I put it on COVID or the employer that had or the weather or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. I lose control over doing anything about it. So I just Mm -hmm. think that's probably a lesson that I've learned in many different aspects over time of just taking accountability for myself and understanding that other people have a role in their own life to take as well. 
Wow, she has the maturity of a 90-year-old, and she is so young and delightful, and I'm just like, how did she learn all the things already? What is happening? Why is she so far ahead? But I think because she's consistent. That's why. She's she's, she's growing all the time. Well, so I'm curious how this showed up for you in the beginning when you had to learn a lot of different skills, right? So you had, of course, your core skill, you had the chiropractic skills, but you're also building a business. And like you said, you're doing the invoicing, you're doing the scheduling, you're managing the clients. Like that's a lot besides your quote unquote day job. So when you're starting to do that, how did you even know how to do that? Is this something you I learned did- in school? <laughs> you you picked this up at the no. front office when you were working? Like, where do you even start? Well, I mean, I would start with the offices I did work at. I learned a ton. So I was very lucky to be mentored in a sense from a variety of different types of practices, personalities. And I would say like even learning like, okay, this doesn't feel like a fit for me is also learning something about right what you want. Mm-hmm. So I was very lucky to have some really kind, successful people that I could learn from. Early on, I will say, like, you don't really realize, but you kind of are absorbing things as you go. And then I would say I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) I went into a lot of debt. I had no idea. I mean, even at a school, I remember I didn't know even how to pay off my student loans. And I had a lot. And so Mm -hmm. I remember going to the bank because I thought that's where you got money advice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny now. I don't know how to pay this off. Like, how do I I mail the check? I didn't didn't want anything. And they're like, they would pull up my information and gasp and tell me how I'm a negative net worth. And I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm here. And so I, I looked for like, you know, where I thought I needed to, but no one honestly gave me direction and like how to actually organize that side of things. And so I winged, like I winged it for a long time and went into a lot of debt to try to just, you know, and then, you know, where I, the biggest shift I would say isn't even in like, you know, then hired an accountant and like learned through like self-taught myself QuickBooks and like Mm -hmm. did different things like that. But I would say the biggest shift came with mindset shift in Mm. learning more of my self-worth, reminding myself that I'm capable, that I'm not my financial situation or debt Mm -hmm. level doesn't reflect my value as a chiropractor, as a human, whatever. And then over the years have been able to get more organized. And with that comes so much more ease, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't have debt, but Mm -hmm. it just means that I have an understanding that this too shall pass. Like this is a, you know, and it's the cost of all the things I've learned. So I see it kind of as a, like a second education. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you know, yeah, yeah. Your, your net worth is not your self-worth, I think is yeah. what you've learned, right? And Well, and also, yeah. And I also think too, because I actually really love what I do and I wanted everyone to have access to this. Mm-hmm. So I think I also, there was times where I undervalued myself as mm. like in terms of my service. Sure. So I was being underpaid based on what I was. And I also then wasn't looking at like, okay, well, what's my overhead? Like, what do I need to get paid to keep my lights on kind of thing? So it was many like things that 
could have probably made a better decision, but now it's like, okay, I know a lot more than I did. I have a lot more to learn, guaranteed. But yeah, it was through that process of some of the pain that came with that of like, man, I just want to get ahead or like the comparison to other practitioners and what you think right. is, right. oh, they're doing so much better. It's like, I had to really define what success was for me and learn the logistics of, okay, how do I move ahead? A lot of these are parallels to what we talk about in our courses, specifically mm. the money management one. So yes, we are aligned mm -hmm. with what you're saying. And I appreciate all those reminders. Let's talk about what you're doing in your practice now. So what are the main things that you focus on and has that evolved over time? It's evolved a ton in some ways. Philosophically, I wouldn't say it's to my core. Like so philosophically, I mean that the nervous system is guiding everything mm -hmm. and if spinal function influences nervous system function and by improving spinal function, whether that's posture, segmental motion, all those details will influence nervous system and thus body function and health. So that piece has been my blueprint and mm -hmm. unwavering, I would say. But there's many ways to influence the body. And I would say over the last few years, I was seeing such heightened physiological stress in people beyond levels I'd ever seen in my life in practice. I already do very gentle techniques. So I do more instrument adjusting. So I'm generally not putting people into a state of stress, you know, that they might have if they're like nervous about manual adjustments or whatever. I have no issue with manual. I think manual chiropractic is amazing. I just don't do that. So I've always influenced like the nervous system in a very kind of gentle specific way, but I added in cranial sacral therapy as a technique adjunct just to allow people to have more space and just kind of lower the dial of like just mm -hmm. how amped up they are. And I didn't know at first how I'd integrate it. And so sometimes I'll integrate it in pieces. And sometimes people, even on their own, will be like, I'm booking longer so I can just have that. I'm like, perfect. Yep. They know, people know what they need on some mm -hmm. level, right? So I've added definitely different techniques. I would say that's the biggest thing that's evolved is just adding in more tools Partly because I'll have a case where, you know, I'm curious of like how I can be of more assistance. I also refer out a lot though. So I don't feel like yep. I have to be everything to everybody. I don't want to be everything to everybody. So yeah, more tools. I think how I've communicated has probably changed as I've become more clear on who I am, like outside of practice even. And what I stand for and my own personal experience brings that too. I can't imagine having conversations that I have now right out of school. Right, Some people probably can. But I personally couldn't. I didn't have the confidence. I had confidence in chiropractic, but not in myself. And I feel like it's been the biggest piece for me was just the deep dive for me on my own. And I see that too, like just in terms of, you know, I mean, there's many ways of measuring like where I'm at in practice on my end. But if say I'm looking at just my number of people I'm seeing, just as an example, the times that I have had like the busiest practice growth and the fastest practice growth with ease, without really putting any energy into like marketing or ads or anything like that has been always when I'm doing something for myself. So when I was training for a triathlon, when I was doing a mindset course, something like seemingly unrelated, it's always been related to my own growth. This actually brings me to a question that I was curious about because you mentioned that you're seeing higher stress levels in bodies than you ever have before, right? In bodies, mm -hmm. minds, 
all connected, of yep. course. Yep. And that you find that growth comes with this ease more so when you are pouring back into yourself in some way mm-hmm. through a class or through learning or something. So why do you think that entrepreneurs specifically and women even more specifically have to make well-being such a priority based on what you're seeing? What's the upside? What's the downside? How does your body handle this stress if you're not proactive? It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, That's the, yeah, I just teed that right up for yeah. you. The thing just breaks. Yeah. yeah. That, no, I think, I mean, the body and brain do a phenomenal job at keeping us going to our demise, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we're not paying attention to the cues, which I think is where like, you know, in the example of entrepreneurial women and, and mm-hmm. men too, but if we're using women as an example, you have so many things that you're focusing on. There's high stress. You have many people, like if you have a family at home, like there's many things that your attention is being pulled to. And so it's easy to put those cues, like not even pay attention and be like, right. I'll deal with that tomorrow. I'll deal yeah. with that next week. I'll deal with that when it slows down. And your brain will be like, okay, like we'll keep going. And it'll keep okay. pulling from other tanks and like just to kind of fuel the tank that you're asking it to until it can't. Like there is a limit. And that's when people get sick. That's when people get injured and don't recover. That's when people are just not resilient in like even the daily things anymore, right? So it shows up in different ways for different people. But I think people that are going through, say, like a health crisis, as example, or whatnot, if they can take from that lesson, then that had more value for them, right? Mm -hmm. Because it can move forward in a different way and make you know, some non-negotiables around their personal care, their time, their space. And it might not be like a consistent scheduled thing. It might be like just they start to see cues of like, I'm not sleeping, I'm taking a me day, you know, or whatever that is. What do people ignore so much that you see or that you hear from afterwards? They Um, probably don't even know their cues sometimes. Yeah. And they can be anything, right? It's really... I think the more we pay attention to our own rhythms, then it's easier to see. If we don't even know what our baseline Mm -hmm. is, then it's really hard to compare. Like many people will come in and they'll be like, I'm good. Like, yeah, no headaches. No, you know, they're thinking of the big stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they start care. And then we do their re-exam or we're kind of chatting into care. And they're like, oh, I slept through the night. I'm like, you don't sleep through the night? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, or I'm having bowel movements again. (laughs) Like, like, okay. Like, because so many things become our landscape, right? Like if Mm -hmm. it's a very regular thing, we think a common thing is normal. And many, just because it's common does not mean it's normal, but it can be subtle. And it's not always going to be like a slap in the face. Sometimes it can be, but not always. Yeah. That's interesting. Love what you're hearing? Business Unbound online courses help you implement the ideas from this show and change how your company runs in big and small ways for the better. Our courses are meticulously crafted, packed with tactical tools and solutions, and designed to help women genuinely enjoy the day-to-day business journey. We've poured insights from our collective 13 years of entrepreneurship and work with more than 100 clients into every course. And the good news is that we're just getting started. We're on a mission to unite women entrepreneurs who understand challenges, loneliness, and vulnerabilities of running a business. And we want you to be part of it. Visit unboundboss.com to browse our course library. We cannot wait to join you on your journey.
So if you have people listening who maybe want to step into some proactive care, is there, I know this is hard because I'm making a general statement, but where are some areas that they could start so it's not so overwhelming? Oh, there's a number, but I would say breathing. (laughs) Deep Mm. breath work would be the very first thing Mm. for a number of reasons. One being when you're in a state of physiological stress, stress, I will say, isn't a bad thing. Like stress in itself is a very necessary response, entity, whatever you want to call it. But it's when we stay there and we don't rebound out of it. We're not supposed to be living in that right. heightened paras- or sim- sympathetic nervous system state. So when we go into that stress fight or flight state, there's specific physiological responses that will happen every time. And that happens if you're imagining it. So you're anticipating a job interview mm-hmm. or a bad, a hard conversation or if you're, it's actually happening. So it'll happen if you're imagining it or experiencing it. And it'll happen with so-called good or bad stress. So if you're getting prepared to go on a vacation, that's exciting, mm-hmm. but your physiology is still going to be, right, Mal? Yes. <laughs> In a stress state. Yes, yes. confirmed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if you are dealing with a loss, right, that can be that your physiology is going to be it has the same response. So one of those responses is just, it changes how we breathe. We breathe in a more short, higher chest lift of the rib cage. Shallow, shallow breathing. Shallow, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. I'm very familiar. Yeah. So stress can create that physiological response. And then if we're not changing that breath pattern, then our brain is also being told you're stressed. So it can happen from the physiology too. If you're really locked up in your rib cage and you're not experiencing like a stressful event, your brain thinks you are. Uh, so I see. Mm-hmm. you have less oxygen, more oxygen is better. <laughs> That's reasonable yes. to think. Mm-hmm. And the more movement, you have so many joints in the rib cage and spine in that thoracic cage that just the movement of that can stimulate the brain in such a good way. And so if you were to do one thing, and the nice thing about deep breathing is, and there's different breathing exercises, obviously too, that people could dive into, but you can do that anywhere. You can do that in crazy Christmas shopping traffic. Mm -hmm. You can do that in the grocery store line when someone, you know, steps in front of you. You can do that with your children. (laughs) You can do that, you know, you don't need equipment. You can do it anywhere. It seems too simple, but it's so, so important. And that would be number one. Yeah. I feel like the cycle that we sometimes only get half of is that we think we're stressed and so our body ends up reacting, right? We Mm -hmm. don't always necessarily think of the opposite being there could be something misaligned in my rib cage that makes my body think that I'm under stress that then mentally makes me feel stressed, right? Because a lot of the time, you know, and Mallory's talked about this too, but when your body isn't quite right, that's mm-hmm. on your mind all the time. It affects everything. It affects totally. everything. And so I think we mm-hmm. see that a lot with women entrepreneurs, especially because like you said, they have so many balls in the air and they're trying to do mm-hmm. all the things and take care of everyone and also make a living. And also if one small thing goes wrong with their body, it's amplified and mm-hmm. vice versa, right? So stress, I think it gets amplified in the body as well. Yeah, so, 100%. You know, when you think about the value of, Self-care is a term that's probably overused or overly generalized, Mm -hmm. but being aware, like you said, of looking for those cues and realizing Mm -hmm. that normal isn't maybe normal, right? And just being willing to think a little bit broader 
about stress is not just this one thing over here that lives by itself. It impacts mm-hmm. your body, impacts your mind's association of whether you're stressed. And yeah, that's something that just doesn't get talked about a lot. And I would imagine it's not something that a lot of chiropractors talk to patients about a lot either. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't I, know. I do. And uh, the chiropractors I know do. Mm. It just depends, though, on like what the relationship is, I guess, mm-hmm. and what if people are coming from a really multifaceted side of things, right? Sure. It also depends too. Like there's people that come in and they definitely need that conversation, but they're not ready for mm-hmm. it. I need to meet people where they're at. Sure. And there's certain people I can have hard conversations with mm-hmm. where I'm like, this is concerning me. And there's other people and like, you need to do something different. Mm-hmm. You need to quit your job or yeah. something mm-hmm. <laughs> or explore other options. Yep. But then there's some people, you just need to kind of meet them where they're at. And I know the nice thing is I know that the body support I can offer, even if I say nothing, mm-hmm. is something. Like it can at least right. turn the dial down a little bit for them. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not necessarily even, it's not a tangible change for them. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So tell us what, if you're willing to share, what it means to you as a woman entrepreneur to focus on your self-care physically. What's your physical well-being? Maybe if you could share some of the things that you focus on, they could be almost like tactics or strategies for the rest of us. Okay. Physical. Well, I get adjusted. Yeah. Like every. Yeah. You're week. like chiropractic, obviously. <laughs> well, how would people it. find a chiropractor, yeah. though, to start? Because it's hard. I would hard. start with, yeah, I would start with, I mean, anyone could contact me and it wouldn't matter what city they're in, if depending on what they're looking for. I know people all over the world. So if I don't know someone, I'm confident someone knows someone who knows someone. That would okay. be a good fit. But at the same time, I would say I would start with your family and friends and just see what they're like if they have someone that they'd recommend. They know your personality. They know kind of like what you're looking for. And there's many different approaches within chiropractic. And my style wouldn't be for everybody. And that's totally fine. And so I'm confident there's someone out there that would probably be able to support them. So yes, I get adjusted, get massages, I get acupuncture. I do my best. I probably could do better at staying on top of just those practitioner support. In terms of my own Obviously, like if I was only relying on practitioners, I would need to see someone probably every other day. Yeah. <laughs> then yep. <laughs> getting outside for a walk has become one of my favorite and most needed things. I would say that is both a physical and mental mm-hmm. strategy. My time, I listen to, I do a lot of mindset coaching and stuff on the receiving end. And so that's when I listen to my mindset stuff and and this podcast obviously exactly yes of course part of of it obviously (laughs) it's kind of my time right and but getting outside is huge I think that's not always easy in like the colder climates but we've had a lucky winter so far so I agree and yeah so getting outside is important walking strength training is crucial I mean I have a very physical job less physical than some Mm -hmm. chiropractors I will Mm -hmm. say but it's still like I'm on my feet all day I'm bending standing over people all day and I can feel it in my body if I'm lagging on the strength side of things. Mm -hmm. And even from like, you know, different information that you learn through like the hormonal improvements and balancing and sugar balancing, all of the things that kind of can become an issue over time with age and whatnot, like strength training is like a non-negotiable. Yeah. I mean, I've done yoga, I've done different things as well, but I would say strength training and walking are like, yeah, 
two of my biggest things. And just to confirm when you're saying strength training, this is my understanding what I've been learning over the last couple of years too, of how important it is to be lifting weights. But can you just elaborate what that means for people? Sure. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess to me, it seems so obvious. So that's a big question. Um, Do it it like uh, layman's terms, right? Yeah. I mean, strength training can be, if someone has never lifted a weight, strength training can be with resistance bands, right? It might be, I have some people that I'm teaching them how to stand up from sitting down, right? Depending Mm -hmm. on where they're at, depending on their age, their condition. It's using your muscles with resistance essentially, right? But isometrics have become a lot more like on the scene in terms of just how beneficial they can be. So it doesn't mean someone has to go to the gym and be like deadlifting 200 pounds. Right. You know, and it also depends on your goals. Like if you are training to be a fitness competitor or to be in the CrossFit games, like that's going to look very different than someone who's training to be able to hike until they're 80 or to be able to pick up their grandkids or maintain their knees and not need a knee replacement or a hip, you know what I mean? Like, so like maintaining our joints and just that longevity piece and the independence that comes with it, if that's kind of my driving force for being strong and also maintaining my job, right? Like if, sure. if I yeah. injured it and I can't work and if I'm not working, there's no income, right? And so for me to maintain and practice and being able to do what I do for the long haul, I need to be taking care of myself now rather than waiting till things are exposing themselves as injury for myself and then having to catch up. So I just didn't want people to think that they had to be lifting, you know, 50 pound weights for it to be considered strength training or Mm -hmm. to get the hormonal balance or to get the, all the things you shared. So yeah, thanks for elaborating. It's it's meeting, it's again, like meeting your body where it's at. Right. And so for all of us, And even our own bodies at different stages. Like I cannot do the workout I was doing when I was training for a triathlon. Like I can't do that workout Mm -hmm. now. I'm dying. Or right. And so I think having some grace with myself for whoever's out there is an important piece. And just reminding yourself, like this is a journey. There's no destination. It's a process and it will evolve with time. You've had to coach me on that, Nicole, too. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not doing, I'm not lifting what I was, or I'm not riding yeah. the bike like I was. And it's, it's hard. I think you've both said the words, like, just give yourself some grace right now. It will be a journey. It will come back. It will fluctuate. I've had to learn that. Well, and I think that's something that, you know, showing ourselves grace is a little bit harder than showing grace to Much other harder. people, obviously. But a lot of the times I think there are tons of, women business owners who are so stressed, so tired, mm-hmm. so overwhelmed that even the thought of just doing like any kind of physical activity, mm-hmm. moving your body, it just, there's no appeal to it, right? Like yeah. you can well, get into also, this place. A hundred percent. And also when you're in that state of stress, and I remind people this all the time and myself, because mm-hmm. I'm one of everyone else too. Yeah. When you're in that state of stress, your nervous system, like your brain is not in a space to find creative solutions. Like it cannot see that it is in survival mode. And so if you're working on things when things are good, you start to kind of create strategies and tools to be like, okay, when I'm in the weeds, what can I do? Right. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just, okay, I have a 10 call day. I'm going to between call five and six, I'm going to get out of my house and walk around the block and come back in, you know, even that, obviously that's not going to change your fitness, but it's going to change your headspace Mm -hmm. and your nervous system response and, you know, all the things that kind of come with that. So, well, that's, I think that piece is 
really important so much so that I'll say it again, but when you're in these types of stress that your brain cannot create the solutions that it normally would. Mm -hmm. And so it may Mm -hmm. be that, you know, if you're in that state of overwhelm, yeah, picking up a new like fitness hobby may not seem feasible at the Mm -hmm. moment. And it may Mm -hmm. be that you need to go to something that feels gentler and more caring. Like maybe that's chiropractic appointment. Maybe it's a massage. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's acupuncture. And you start there because Mm -hmm. you need to just simply move your brain out of that space. And then once your brain starts getting into a better space, you have more options, right? You just can't see those options right now. So that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like just your capacity is different. Your capacity is different. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very common. Mallory does it. I do it. You probably do it. Mm -hmm. To kind of beat yourself up is the first initial reaction to being like, well, why don't I feel like doing that? (laughs) Why don't Mm -hmm. I feel like doing that thing that I know is good for me, but you don't feel like it and you don't have the capacity for it. And instead of maybe spending a week in Mm self-loathing about it, instead just pivot to making one appointment that actually cares for you, especially if you feel like you are not in a place to care for yourself then this is the perfect mm-hmm. time 100% you know to go out and find yep. that kind of support team of practitioners and that's something Mallory's talked about a lot too is just trying to do everything by yourself is just so much heavier <laughs> it's so much yeah. heavier whether it's your health or your mindset or any of it totally and there's a time to also for recovery so like i said earlier a comment about i don't feel like you always have to have your foot on the gas and i think yeah. sometimes we feel yeah. like to move forward i have to press the gas and yes. but there's a time for recovery and i would say i had a trainer years ago and i felt i had good momentum i felt strong i was getting results but i was like i was hitting a wall and I, and she's like you need to take a week off like i'm mm-hmm. cutting your training for the week and i was yep. like no <laughs> yep, right. You have this reception, like, I can't stop. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she did. And it was the best thing. And it was the best lesson and reminder that transfers into all of it, right? Like outside yes. of even just the fitness conversation, but the recovery is just important, especially with women. If you have a menstrual cycle, there are different times in your cycle that you are going to have more energy. And there's different times where you are needing to retreat and honoring that even can be so, so pivotal for women to tap into their strengths at different times in their cycle. I would love to dive into that just slightly because we haven't talked about that on the podcast. and I think it fits in this physical episode. So would you be able to elaborate on which phases of the cycle really set you up for kind of rest and recovery versus the times where you could really maybe push the edge or push the boundary or try something new? Yeah. So in general, I mean, obviously there can be nuances and whatnot, and there's people that are far more educated on like those nuances than I am. But I would say in general, the first two weeks of your cycle are generally where you're going to have more energy, where you're going to be like action oriented. Once you ovulate, which is about two-ish weeks in. So the first half is called the follicular phase. Then you ovulate. The second half is called the luteal phase. And the luteal phase is in general, where you will probably feel a bit more tired, your recovery might not be as quick, and where you might need to be more gentle with yourself. If you're really tuned in and you start paying attention to your body and your rhythms, you'll typically become more in tune to like what you need, your cravings, right? Like we sometimes are like, they get joked about or whatever, but it's like your cravings can be there for a reason, right? So are you getting enough? 
like Mm -hmm. protein? Are you getting enough? Like, are you nourishing yourself within that as well? So obviously that's just as important, but yeah, in general, the second half is kind of where, you know, you might find that you need a little bit more rest and that's completely okay. Again, I wouldn't force that either, right? Like the more intuitive you are with your own body, like if you're feeling the energy to kind of push it through like a task or a workout or whatever, like do it, you know, like your body will give you feedback. And you'll know during or after if that was like, you know, maybe too much. But I would say if you're feeling like you're pushing through a stage where you're like, I just don't have it in me, it could be cycle related. It could be that you're in burnout and that you like have nothing to pull from your tank and you might need like a big overhaul and you might just need some space or a a day where you are working on things, but you're able to kind of actually make some momentum and have no other distractions. So recovery and space can look, it doesn't mean you're sitting in, in like your cozies watching on Netflix. It might <laughs> right. like it's actually right. pretty awesome to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that one's fine. Yeah. But it could be just like, okay, I'm not having meetings today. <laughs> well, and that's one of the things that's nice about having your own business is that you can pick and choose those tasks more so than normal mm-hmm. if you're working for someone else. So that's the other thing I feel like sometimes we do is say, well, here's the task I planned on doing. And so if I don't do that, I have somehow failed at this thing. Whereas you could reframe it and say, out of all of these things that I want to get done, what suits how I'm mm-hmm. feeling today? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a healthier way to approach most days? Yeah. Because you're still being quote unquote productive. You're still doing things that need to happen in order to move your business or your life forward but maybe it doesn't have to be quite so rigid as Mm -hmm. the plan. Yeah. You know, maybe you can pick and choose and be like, here's energetically what I have in the tank today. Mm -hmm. And that means that this meeting is not a possibility. Yeah. But this other thing, like this feels gentler and I can do this today. Yeah, totally. So I would just give yourself permission, like you said, to honor where you are every day and then adjust accordingly. Yeah. And there's times where we do have to do things we don't feel like doing like, but yeah, it doesn't have to be the norm. It doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be like, and then maybe when you start noticing, like there's tasks that I progress and I hate doing, and I'm like, maybe I should hire someone to do this for me because why am I forcing myself to do this where it's my least favorite piece Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't get done? Yes. And then it's always in the back of your mind and we don't Mm -hmm. have space for that. No, we don't need to get that stuff out of there. (laughs) So can you, I think maybe you alluded to this in the beginning and I'm just going to give you an opportunity to come back to it. Could you talk to us about some hard times and maybe it's the COVID time or other hard times in this entrepreneurial season that you've been in, whether it's business or life related, if you're willing to share that, what that experience was, and then if there were any specific things you remembered that you did to pull yourself out of that physically or mentally. I can't think of one specific time. I would say there was a time, so I had moved city, like I'd left Calgary for a couple of years and practiced in Halifax and had like the best job out there, loved it. But my family's all here. Mm. So I was really homesick and people sick from yeah. them, mm-hmm. even though I had amazing humans out there. Yeah. I was very, very lucky. So I made the decision to move back. And when I moved back, I had no job. And I was like, oh, I'll find one. You know, mm-hmm. things work out. <laughs> <laughs> things work out. But I was very rigid on like what I was looking for, the mm-hmm. type of practice and not in an inspired way. I was more looking back. Now I can see this clearly. I was rigid on like what I should be doing. Uh, right. And so and what it should look like. And so 
I probably missed out on a lot of opportunities that I could have been great. But I was stuck on this, you know, one opportunity. It got, kept getting kind of delayed because of their build out, whatnot. I was going to join this practice. And I ended up waiting tables for a number of months, which was fine. I'm like, well, I need money. This is like, you know, flexible if something, you know, if practice is a practice and it opens you, up, whatever. it got you back home where you wanted to yeah, be. It, yeah. I mean, I was living with my parents at the time, waiting tables as a chiropractor in a kilt and knee highs. <laughs> oh, hello. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs> At an Irish pub. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I was in an Irish pub waiting tables. And I mean, looking back, like it was a really hard time for me because I'm like, felt, you know, like I wasn't living up to my potential. I didn't know where I was going to land. I felt like it was impossible that I was ever going to ever be able to make any sure. money doing what I love to do. And yet all my friends seemed to be doing so well. And I was in a oil and gas city with, you know, friends that were outside of my profession were like, Kept buying mm-hmm. their second home yeah. and going on right. vacations and like had the lifestyle. And I had chiropractic friends that appeared to be, you know, like yes. they had their own practices. And and here I am living with my parents, waiting tables. And I'm like, this is, I'm the one that's supposed to be successful. Right. What, did, what, what has happened? What, how did mm-hmm. this happen? Yeah. And so that, w- that was a really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Plus I had this feeling and I don't know if it was accurate or not. I feel like it was probably more of a, like me projecting this mm-hmm. on other people, but I, whenever people heard about what I did, I, I always just assumed that they assumed that I should be just like really well off and, you know, well, people stable assume medicine and, period. Well yeah. They, and doctor, you know, yep. and it's just like, yep. you know, that wasn't my reality. Mm-hmm. And so I felt a lot of shame around that. And so I probably like over stretched myself to try to like also maintain whatever I felt like I had to like maintain, right. And image wise, yep. whatever. I didn't know where I was going to land. And so it took me a long time to kind of move out of that. And and again, like I come back to it, I said it before, like it was all mindset. Like it was all just reminding myself like who I actually was and like what I wasn't and like what was important to me and like also whose opinion really freaking mattered. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) Yes. And so I think that comes with a little bit more years under my belt too, just like caring less about people that I really don't have, yes. shouldn't have an impact on my well-being. Right. So that was probably the hardest from like an identity, perception of success, mm-hmm. financial, like all of it, right? But I also met some amazing people through there too. And so like I also don't regret it. Mm-hmm. I'm still in touch with some of the people that I worked with then. And yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. It, like looking back, I also felt like I had so much pressure in my like late 20s to be like, have made it like yes. now I, I, they're like 20. I don't know like, yeah. your baby still right yeah. so little, I don't know like yeah. I, I I had so much pressure to just like have it figured out and now I'm like okay that was silly like I don't know well I'm like you in said, my 40s now and yeah there was no figuring it out nobody back then who walked you through and said okay great you want to be part of a practice okay here's everything you need to do here's all mm-hmm. the systems you'll need here's how to get client like no one was doing that for you. So how in the world would you know, right? But it feels yeah. like you should just know. But even if they did, because I did, there are coaching and assistance. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a lot that also just didn't fit for me. Like mm-hmm. it didn't feel right. I had nothing against it. These other ways of practicing yep. are like, they can be very successful, but like they weren't authentic to me. And mm-hmm. so for me, like the second I would say challenge was I left a practice and it was my first time going as independent. 
And I was just like, I had been unhappy and I just really wanted to like fulfill my potential essentially. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I could at this one practice. And I learned a lot there, like, you know, no ill feelings. But that next year I realized was where I gained my professional confidence because it was all on me. And so it was very challenging on a lot of different ways. It was only a year and then I came back, you know, I found a different job because it wasn't the right job for me, but it was so valuable because I feel like after that year, I was able to stand on my feet and I knew I'd be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that that's great. Yeah. Well, how is it that doing a business your way, which is something we talk about a lot and having it feel authentic and the decisions that you're making or the ways that you do business feel authentic to you. How is that translated to lowering that stress level, dialing that down? Have you seen that in your own actual physical and mental well-being of now that you're in a place where you're making those decisions for yourself and you're not making them based on how you want to be viewed? Has that impacted your physical and mental health in a way that you think is pretty tangible? A thousand percent. And I think too, just gaining more trust in myself and my decisions. Cause that was one of the things that I struggled with was just trusting that I could make the right decision after judging sure. myself on different choices I had made where I'm like, that put mm-hmm. you behind, or that was not the right decision or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's easy to say right. that now. <laughs> so definitely gaining some self-trust in that and thought of something else, but now I, <laughs> now it's gone. It like travels later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think that that's, for me at least, something that always, you know, you do this gut check and we talked about it a little bit in season one of the humans that dying section specifically, but having that kind of gut check of, does this feel like the way that I want to do, insert any business decision mm-hmm. or any life decision, frankly. Yeah. But if you live kind of dis- disconnected from the authentic way that you would be doing it, I think that just adds this extra mm-hmm. level of stress that you're then carrying around. Mm-hmm. And we just yeah. don't have room for that. We don't have time for that. Well, I think too, one thing that I learned was one of the beliefs that I subconsciously was like living was all or nothing. Right. And I think one of the things that has really helped back to kind of that previous question you had is reminding myself that I can change my mm-hmm. mind. So even if I make a decision, I pull, you know, the trigger on like, you know, a procedure or Mm -hmm. whatever, something I want to implement in my practice. I can do it different tomorrow if this isn't Mm going to work. If this isn't flowing, if this doesn't feel right, if people aren't receptive, I I can do it different. So I feel like sometimes, I mean, I know for me in the past, I've made decisions or I've committed to something and I'm like, well, I need to see it through, even if it's like not... Yes, serving anything. That was the goal I set. Mm-hmm. And now, even though I don't want it anymore, I must reach it. <laughs> You're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. But it's a good call out totally. because totally. it's yeah. harder. We've kind of said it's going against what you feel is authentic right. or what your gut is telling you. It's like you're forcing it. And if you kind of take a step back mm-hmm. and allow it to run its course or to change or just to be more fluid with it, it just feels easier. So why don't we take the easier path yeah. and do that? I don't know, Mallory. Uh, why? why? I don't know. That? Can you answer that? <laughs> Karen, why don't we do that? <laughs> why is that so hard? I don't know. 
Uh, we no one had the answer to that, but we no. had more questions, but no. we are up on time and we so appreciate having you here. I loved it. I love when I get to see you, we get little nuggets of this, but having a whole hour has been amazing. So thanks for sharing with us and all of our listeners. Thank you guys. This Thank you so, fun. so much. It was wonderful to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to, like she said, just share your wisdom. And I love hearing about the ups and downs of especially a different kind of job that I've never experienced, right? Running an office and doing all these, like that's completely outside my comfort zone. And I love hearing about it from you. And we are just really excited to keep this season going and talk about all the ups and downs of well-being. So we will chat with you all next week. Thanks for listening. Hop over to unboundboss.com to join our community and leave us a voice memo. We absolutely love hearing from you. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave us an Apple review, and share your favorite episodes with other women entrepreneurs. Talk to you soon.